Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back to the PA the FI Way podcast, the podcast for physician assistants on the way to financial independence. I'm your host, Kat, and I'm so excited to have not only one, but two guests who are PAs joining us on the show today. If you are a regular listener, you'll likely recognize that one of them is a returning guest. Jordan Fisher, who is a certified PA and author of PA Next Steps, had joined me as my first guest way back on episode 16. But today we also have Shane Foley, who is also a certified PA, joining us because Jordan and Shane have actually co-authored a book called The PA Blueprint, which is the resource for PAs that we will be discussing today. So welcome to the show, Jordan and Shane. I'm so happy to have you guys. Thanks for having us, Kat. Appreciate it. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourselves as a PA, whichever of you would like to go first? I guess the OG will go first, the first podcast guest and now first returning podcast guest, Jordan Fisher. Um, So I was on that first episode to talk about my book, um, PA Next Steps. Around the time of finishing that book, I actually actually rekindled with Shane and we decided to write a second book together called The PA Blueprint. And here we are today just to talk about that. Now, I've been a PA for four years. I started in ENT and then moved to ER, and now I'm currently in urgent care. Besides that, I am adjunct faculty at Rocky Vista. I precept, and I try to have fun outside of work. What about you, Shane? I appreciate that you use the term rekindle. Like <laughs> we had a bromance that has just blossomed we totally again. We bromance. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait. Now that we have the opportunity, was I your favorite student? Because I think I was a little bit of a brat to begin with. Were you my favorite student? Um, that's, I don't think so uh, mm-hmm. overall, but you were my like favorite gym buddy student. I mean, we see each other in the gym all the time. Yeah. Made that going swell. for us. Good point. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Flexing in the mirrors. Move over, Jordan. It's my turn. <laughs> uh, anyway, what? So. Uh, as Jordan said, um, I had the chance to do some teaching for him when I was at University of New England. That's actually where I graduated from in 2012. So I've been at it uh, for nine years, not quite straight. I've taken some time off here or there, but um, I still say nine years in practice, mostly primary care. So that's where I'm at now in family medicine up here in Vermont. And then I've done urgent care medicine as well for, I uh, did that for about three and a half years. So all outpatient stuff and really enjoying the career. Uh, so far, it's been great. It's given me a lot of opportunities. Um, I love where I'm at right now, which is great as well. And in addition to actually practicing full-time, uh, I am adjunct faculty at University of New England. 
and precepting, seeing a couple of students per year. Um, have one starting on Monday, in fact. So I always get pretty excited about that and try to teach them things from our books, some Pi things, uh, so stuff that you don't always learn in school. So I always look forward to those opportunities. And we authored the book together, and I also was running a blog, still have that blog as well, called Efficient Clinician. And yeah, that's what I got. That's me. That's wonderful. I really appreciate that you both have been able to teach future PAs in that you precept and teach them at school and things like that. So it's wonderful that you guys are able to give back, but also teach the future generation of PAs. Yeah, that's something that we really do enjoy um, genuinely. And then Jordan, in case our listeners haven't had a chance to catch our last episode together, could you review how you had learned about financial independence and what drew you to the concept of FI? Yeah, so I was on my surgery rotation, and it was one of the few rotations where I actually got some living um, arrangements. So I was in this tiny little apartment that didn't have any internet. And so I was just downloading and listening to a lot of podcasts. And I came across one that interviewed Mr. Money Mustache. And then from there, I like at work mass down or mass like uploaded all of his articles and just tore through the whole thing that during that rotation. Sure. And from there I was hooked. Awesome. Yes. He certainly has great content. He's one of the OGs, so to speak of financial independence. So if you guys haven't checked out his content yet, I highly recommend it. It's a great place to start. Just gets you so excited about FI. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And then Shane, could you please share how you first learned about financial independence and what drew you to the concept as well? Yeah. So actually, Mr. Money Mustache had some influence on me actually listening to his podcast um, episode where he was a guest on the Tim Ferriss show. Sure. Yep. Same was, here. Same one. Yeah. That was a big one for me. That was like, whoa, what? What is this mm-hmm. concept? This is interesting. And um, I was already sort of making some moves uh, financially anyway. They turned out to be not exactly the right moves, but uh, they were moves anyway. So it inspired me to take some action. And then after that, um, actually it was sort of um, right before the pandemic started, I decided that I really wanted to get a hold of our finances because the path we were on was okay, but uh, we were getting really really sort of logged down by uh, fees with our financial advisor person. Sure. And I just got, just kind of wondered, what's the deal? Why are we not seeing the returns we should be seeing? And so I decided that ignorance was not bliss. It was very expensive, in fact. So I decided I would just try to learn some on my own so I could at least hold my own in a conversation and know what questions to ask. And the more I poked and prodded and read, the more I decided, oh, we are not exactly where we want to be and where we need to be. So I dove in head first to J.D. Roth to, um, like I said, Mr. Money Mustache, his blog posts, uh, Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You to Be Rich was a, was a good one as well. All the Choose FI stuff, I mean, that website and what they're doing is fantastic. So got interested in that. And the reason being, you know, I didn't want someone taking our money that didn't really need to be. And then on top of that, I love the options that are there with with reaching financial independence. So I don't know if I'm going to cash in on the RE portion of FIRE, the retire early, 
but just having options available to make some career moves, whether that's staying in medicine or moving to teaching or going, you know, just part-time, whatever. And that's very attractive to me is setting ourselves up to have options. So not just myself, my wife, our future family, our dogs can live the good life, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I love that. And it gives me something to look forward to. That's great. Thank you for sharing all those resources. I'll try to include those links in the show notes for today. And I agree that ignorance is not bliss when it comes to your finances. Becoming financially literate is certainly one of the best paying hobbies out there. So it can seem a little daunting, overwhelming, maybe a little tedious when you're first learning about it, but it really it can become somewhat fun and it'll save you tons of money and help you grow your net worth in the future. So I think that it's really important that all current and future PAs learn about it. And just renting one book from the library is really all you need to get started. It's not a huge hurdle. You just need to take that first baby step. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree, Jordan. It's amazing how many free resources out there. You can find audiobooks, paperback books, ebooks that we'll talk about soon here, and free podcasts, obviously, that you can listen to to become more financially literate. Yeah. Yeah. The material's there. You don't need to spend much money. I mean, I can attest I've spent less than $100 on investing in learning in my financial education and have saved at least $250,000. I know that. And that's probably going to be more like 500000 upwards of more wow. in the future. That's so, amazing. Yeah. It, yeah. A little goes a long way. You got to put the time in though. That's You got to be willing to do that as well doesn't just happen. Certainly. So speaking of books, let's talk about your guys' book that you wrote together. There are a lot of resources for PAs out there. What is unique about the PA blueprint? Well, it's a number of things. I mean, for one thing, we're PAs and we wrote it for PAs. Sure. And there are not a lot of resources out there for actively practicing PAs in terms of how to maximize their career. There's a lot of, there's tons of stuff out there about how to become a PA and rightfully so. But once you kind of hit that mark, you get the C behind your name, you're kind of off on your own. And so we aim to provide that resource for people. And so that book really spans a lot of things, but also it tries to give you, just like this podcast does, a lot of other resources to go and look at if, oh yeah, I really was interested about this, that, or the other. So it tries to give you a ton of information. And then one other thing that we really try to do with this is give you actionable steps when you when we could. Uh, I, I just finished reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was a great book, but I didn't walk away feeling like there were a lot of actionable steps where it's like, I can go right on the internet and do this right now. And we tried to provide those on multiple areas throughout the book. For example, Shane gets all the credit for this, but he talks about an above and beyond list when we talk about compensation and how to get a raise. And so this is an idea that uh, you start compiling all the times where you've really showed your value to the company, whether that's you stayed late, you called a coworker, you came in for another day, and just little things. And so that the day I heard about that from him, I started my own list. And now I have a list of however many things. And as my review comes up, I have that as well as numbers, which we also talk about of patient scene, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have objective data to present to your employer. And it's hard for them to say no for a raise when you have all that in front of you. Sure. That's wonderful. 
Yeah, it's, you know, the practical aspect, I would agree with Jordan, is probably one thing that is somewhat unique. You know, we talk about multiple topics uh, in the book. We have six chapters, and in each one of those, we wanted to make it sort of instead of medical terminology, like career terminology. We want people to read those chapters and just walk away with the basics to build off of. So those building blocks, but also some actionable steps, like Jordan said, to to do something. So again, you have to put the time in and the effort and it doesn't have to be a lot of effort per se, but you've got to be willing to do it. So little things about sending yourself reminders and things like that, that you wouldn't even think of, um, or, you know, keeping paperwork cause you might need it later or, you know, how to get things reimbursed, how to have a great time with CME. And we share, you know, anecdotes about these things that we've done to show and demonstrate that you can do these things um, yourself as well. So you could repeat those or you can make up your own if you use um, the tools and tips that we give. And, you know, everyone likes the word hacks. I think we have quite a few of those in there as well. Sure. I do want to touch a little bit more about that chapter on CME because that was one of my favorite chapters. It touches a little bit about how you can use your CME budget to try to actually help fund both the CME trip, but combine it with a vacation essentially. So do you mind sharing a little bit more about that with our listeners? Yeah, well, I'll start because I get pumped about CME. I think it's great. It just seems like this bonus that we're given. And, you know, there's a transaction that happens, which is your employer likely says, here's money and time to further your education. It's not, here's money and time to go take a vacation. So you have to do both. Exactly. Or at least, yeah, we were trying to tell people you can do both and you can pull it off really well and have a great time uh, while you do CME. So whether that's with your significant other or just flying solo. I mean, if you just know what your CME policy is, pay a little bit of attention or just ask those questions. You can know what's covered, you know, what kind of vacation you can get, how much money you can spend, etc. So, and there are a lot of ways, a lot of nuances you can you can use as well, but you can leverage that CME money and time to really make your career more desirable whether that's a vacation every year, that's pretty much all expenses paid, or like I'm doing now, leveraging my days to build up my pot of earn time for a potential payout or for a rainy day or another pandemic or, you know, whatever. <laughs> sure. Or spending time with Jordan, your bromance partner, right? Right. Yes, exactly. 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 Time with me is definitely counts as CNN. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and a tax write-off, I think, officially. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> That's the benefit of, of being friends with your business partner, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I really like, too, how you mentioned in there that you could consider using travel rewards credit cards as well if you are interested to try to be able to pay some of the CME money on that and then get reimbursed. So I thought that that was a really fun point, too. Yeah. Yeah. You get double and triple wins. You can get gift cards with your CME. I mean, really, there's just a whole industry if you want to tap into it and to get what you want, what you need. If that's, again, vacation or that's a $1,500, $2,000 gift card to buy some stuff for your home. Yeah. It's funny how this industry has popped up to take advantage of this because people just want to use this money. 
And so there's all kinds of ways people are finding out, oh yeah, people will spend money on this if we kick them back a gift card or or let's make sure to hold this at a really family-friendly resort so they'll bring their whole family with them. I mean, it's a really smart industry. It's our job to take advantage of it. Yeah. I would like to point out too that it is really important that you do check with your employer about what the rules are. So my former employer, they would only reimburse if the CME were located in Canada or the United States. And there wasn't true CME hours or time off. It was all combined with my time off period. And then additionally, they also said that we couldn't accept gift cards too. So it is interesting how each employer has these rules. Now, I did hear through the grapevine some people talking, well, if you were to get these gift cards, how would they know of it, I suppose? But, you know, it's important that you do definitely read the rules about your employer of what they're willing to reimburse you for. Definitely. We do not condone shady activities out there, PA. Always read the fine print. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And then what are your guys' financial goals and what actions are you each taking to meet them? Oh, you want to go first, Shane? Your goals are more impressive than mine because you're older. <laughs> Love how you just toss that out there. It is true, though. <laughs> I can't argue. Um, so my goals, so financial goals, uh, basically provide some freedom to my family, myself and my family. So that will be sort of financially. Also, like I said before, maybe career-wise, so professionally, a lot of some opportunities by you know, making sure that we're saving enough money, we're filling up all the buckets that we should, and that gives us uh, a lot of control over our lives, which I which I really like. I love the concept of sort of lifestyle design. Again, second shout out to Tim Ferriss, even though I'm not necessarily a Ferriss head, but still a uh, second reference. But um, after reading 4-Hour Workweek, that concept of designing your life and the resources that are available to us from our compensation to our benefits are great. Uh, And if you play your cards right, you can have freedom, you can have choice. Um, And for us, that means taking some sabbaticals. Uh, I've already, I've taken one on my own. I've taken another one with my wife and our dog um, more recently, and we anticipate taking others in the future. And so for us, that's kind of our life goal is to every, whatever, five, seven years, take a sabbatical, live life, put work to the side, um, and just prioritize living before we're 65 or whatnot. So that's our biggest goal. Um, Secondary to that, pay off student loans, and that should happen pretty soon for us as well. Get that gorilla off our back. So those are the the big things on, on my end. How about you, Jordan? Um, yeah, I am all just about creating the opportunity for choice. So I am currently saving as much as I can. And I I look at my coworker right now, who's just on paternity leave, and he has the option of coming back PRN, but he doesn't necessarily have to work. And I look at the joy on that man's face now that he has that decision. And I want that. That's awesome. I mean, he just that 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 realization of like, Hey, I can do this. Cause I want to do this. I don't have to do this. Just that realization alone will make any work environment, no matter how bad it is 
that much less stressful and hard to deal with. So I just, I just want that choice. And then I, I, I don't know, I know I'll never not do anything, but I just want to be able to do everything. So that's wonderful. Well, thank you guys for sharing that. And so what do you guys think is the best first step for a new grad to get their finances on the best path for them? Ooh, let me go. Let me go first here. So I, this is like the best example. So the thing, the best thing you can do is start learning right away. It is so much easier to move accounts around, to make big changes with your retirement, with your savings and all that when you have very little, when it's early on. So take that time right as you get out of school to read up on retirement accounts, read a couple books on financial independence. It's really, again, a low burden of time to learn a lot of things about this. And then you can kind of learn as you go and institute those. But it, it's so much easier to do when you're early in your career because you don't have the savings when you've been doing it for nine years. Now, cue Shane about his recent experience. Yeah. If I, I mean, I already think I quoted my losses <laughs> or, or actually, well, gains of 250000 by learning a little bit. But reality, I mean, we were just getting crushed by, by being financially ignorant. We were just getting absolutely crushed. Um, it's staggering to look back on and just see that in such a good market, we, were, we weren't going anywhere. I mean, we were trying to, you know, blast off with uh, anchors tied to us. And so our accounts just weren't going anywhere, frankly, or weren't going there fast enough. So just learning a little bit was enough to really get us on the right track. And it didn't take long. It took a a little handholding from Jordan. Uh, Even even when you knew you were doing the right thing, right? It's just when you're when you've been saving for eight, nine years, and this is your life, it's it's scary to make that decision. So make it before you have the money. Totally. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We would be, uh, I mean, frankly, with the current projections for Phi, you know, being nine years in, I think I'd be pretty close right now. Uh, if I had started from day one wow. on the best path, uh, because from now when I made the changes, it's like nine, 10 years away. So, you know, I'm nine years in, sure. we can all do the math. Well, congrats on that. Anyway, that'll still be awesome. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, five by 50. That's awesome. That sounds like early retirement to me. I I think so. I think so. Yeah. Sounds great to me. Yeah. Just sort of picking up where um, Jordan left off here. Um, I'm just going to add to that, that I would say, you know, start your education early, like Jordan said, also have some goals in mind, uh, have a destination in mind, and that destination may change. But you got to be looking on the horizon towards something uh, because sort of subconsciously and, and consciously you'll take actions that'll try to get you there. And it, that might not even be where you want to get to, you know, come five years from now, your life may change. You may pack up and move to Hawaii and find a partner and, you know, have eight children and whatever that might look a lot different, but have some goals and work towards those. So have that carrot that sits in front of you that you're motivated for. For some people, it's it's reaching financial independence, and that to them is the the ultimate goal um, to have the freedom we were talking about. And other people, it's going to be have a big house, you know, with your eight kids, and you know, have a Toyota Sienna with the rims, with the rims. 
Um, but, but whatever your goals are, it doesn't really matter, but you got to have some, you got to have a direction. Um, cause like I said, you'll, you'll work towards it if you do, but otherwise you'll just wind up lost and wondering why you're in the red every month. I think that's great advice. I do try to think about what the future life would look like with trying to set goals and to try to kind of dream a little bit what, you know, we want in life. And my dear husband, he is definitely not a planner. He's very in the moment. He doesn't like to plan at all. So it's a very difficult conversation at times. It's, well, what do you want to do in five years, 10 years, you know, and he's just kind of thinking about the rest of the day, maybe tomorrow. And so I think that it is important to try to have those conversations with your partner, but at the same time, recognizing that it can be somewhat difficult if you guys have different personalities. But have you guys found any tips or tricks with that, with talking to your guys' partners? Trying and then trying again and then trying again, but also trying to make it fun. I mean, Ramit Sethi had a really great podcast recently about he's talking about how he does it with his wife and he did a great job and just focusing not so much on the restrictions of here's our budget, here's where we need to cut back. It's, hey, when we do this, what are what is our goal we're working towards? Which again is hard, right? When you have a husband that's not necessarily thinking that way. But I mean, I, there's got to be something he loves, like whether it's going on some really cool vacation that he's like some country he wants to go to in five years or something like that. You just have to find what motivates them and what's interesting to them. And that makes the conversation that much easier and more fun. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. What are those sort of shared goals or things that you both enjoy? Obviously, if you're together with somebody, you you share uh, interests or you must anyway um, to, <laughs> to have it last. But I mean, I was fortunate that my wife was sort of frugal coming into the relationship. So we shared that anyway. And so it was easy. It's an easy base to build off of. We didn't have to undo bad habits, frankly. So it made it fairly easy to to work with. And uh, we joke that I'm the CFO, but I would say that she's the CEO of the relationship. That's great. <laughs> I love that analogy for sure. Yes, we definitely enjoy lots of hobbies together and he definitely likes his toys. So we talk about how, you know, if there's more free time, then we can certainly do those hobbies a little bit more together, which would be really fun for sure. Absolutely. Wait, now I want to know what his hobbies are. Okay. <laughs> well, we do a lot of ice fishing together. That's definitely our favorite hobby that we do together. And we live in the upper Midwest, so our winter does drag out a little bit. And so we are able to have this hobby that he taught me back when we were dating. And it's been really fun because it helps the winter pass. And we're able to spend some longer weekends out on lakes. It's kind of like you're camping out on the ice or kind of living in a tiny house. We often will go with lots of friends or family. Um, but then he also enjoys, you know, all sorts of toys like jet skis and snowmobiles and those types of things, too. So Gotcha. Gotcha. Ice fishing's on my bucket list for sure. Well, if you guys are ever in the area, you are more than welcome to come with us. We would love to have you. Sweet. That sounds fantastic. They call those Bob houses out oh, here. Oh, really? I don't know if that's what they call them. Yeah. And you always, every uh, every spring, you know, J Jimmy Joe always forgets his Bob house out there and it just sinks oh, no. down into the bottom of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've never heard that term Bob house before. That's really fun. I'll have to tell him that one. 
Boom. I don't think it's an original, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> there you go. I think it's what people in New Hampshire and Vermont. There say. you go. Fun. All right. And then I know that you guys are on different tracks with your student loans. So tell us a bit about those, such as how are you paying yours off? When are your student loan independent states? And what general recommendations do you have for others who may be struggling with their student loans? Make it a priority right away. So when I finished school, I started hammering down those loans right away. And I'm still not there because they're a lot. Um, But start getting that habit very early on that you need to be paying more than the minimum payment. Otherwise, it drags on too long. Um, I'm currently in a, a I'm, I'm deciding whether I'm going to accept the National Health Service Corps loan or not, which has a lot of pros, but it also really restricts you. Sure. And so it's a, it's something I'm trying to decide on, but that will put me on track for two years left, which is pretty nice. Otherwise, it's probably going to mean that three or four. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and whereas Jordan has uh, private loans and lower interest, um, I've stuck with uh, my government or federal loans right from the start. I never refinanced or anything. So same loans that I have from day one, I still have, uh, fortunately, not much left to them. Um, So the second part of that question is payoff date. It probably could have happened a while ago, but uh, we've been waiting for the forbearance is just let let it play out to see and currently i have thirty five thousand left and uh, fortunately my employer uh gives ten thousand per year so we're waiting for that next installment so we don't want to pay that extra 10 if you know they're going to pay us if we just wait that's amazing you know if we just hit the yeah, it would just hit the pause button for a few more months. Um, so come like March 2020, uh, we should have them paid off, I think. Well, congratulations. Yeah. So our 2020, I mean, 2022, we should have them paid off so soon enough. So we're excited about that. And I mean, what an empowering position to be in to just sort of sit back, look at them and go, we could pay those off, you know, six months ago, six days from now or six months from now. It doesn't matter. We're good. Do you ever threateningly hover over the button and just kind of <laughs> think about it? <laughs> uh, I want I want that ten thousand too much. Uh, yeah, I, I like get that. I, I work hard for it, so I might as well wait. So yeah, so and then in regards to recommendations, you know, again, have goals. Some people it's going to be pay them off in three years. I mean, that may sound ludicrous to some people, but that's actually totally doable depending on how much you have and how disciplined you want to be. Um, some people, it's going to be 10 years in the public service loan forgiveness plan because that makes the most sense for them in their lives. Um, whatever you think it is for you, have some ideas of what you want. Work towards it. Get organized. That was my biggest thing. It was like three months into practice where I'm like, I don't have any money. Why don't I have any money? I'm making two and a half times what I ever did. So mm. why am I not you know, rich sure. here? Uh but as it turns out, with the student loan payments as they were and, you know, the decent apartment I got by myself and all those things, I was in the red. I had no idea until I ran the numbers and hit the old Excel spreadsheet that told me the truth. So I would say get organized right away um, with your loans, how much you owe, what the interest rates are with your finances. Um, it does not, again, does not pay to be ignorant on these topics. Yeah, definitely. I think that all sounds like great advice. 
And then in one of the sections of your book, it talks about the topic of burnout. I did recently talk about burnout in a recent episode, which was 33. Do you feel as though pursuing financial independence as a PA can help fight burnout? And if so, how? I'll take this one first, Kat. By the way, I really like that episode. I just listened to it this morning. I think the the connection, yeah, it's great. Um, There's definitely a connection with FI and burnout. I mean, one of those things is, um, you know, one of the hallmarks of burnout is uh, lack of control. Um, And, you know, I probably said the word control two or three times already. And and that's probably having some people think I'm the ultimate type A'er. But the reality is it's a good feeling and it's empowering. It's empowering above all. So, I mean, I like that aspect of it is that when you're financially independent, you have choices. We mentioned that before. Also, too, when you are okay with your finances, you can choose to go part-time. You can take another career if you'd like. You can start a business um, if you'd like. You can take a sabbatical. I mean, all these things you touched on in that episode, um, which I really liked. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the sabbaticals. Like I said before, I've taken two. That's awesome. Most recently for almost a year. Yeah. My wife and I and our dog traveled the country for a few months and lived in Costa Rica for a month and visited friends and just had a great time and just absolutely reset after a couple hard years of work. And, you know, that's what, you know, FI does for us is it kind of gets us to be able to take action on our life plan. But you know, just having three to six months salary or or whatnot saved up gives you the freedom to absorb, you know, things like being furloughed, which just happened for a lot of people, Um, or, you know, make moves that you might not be able to when you feel kind of stuck. And I, I'm not sure there's a worse feeling than when you feel stuck Mm -hmm. in your career. And like, you don't have options that really is not a good place to be. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, working towards FI as well for me personally is exciting and it gets me jazz and it's just another day at work because, you know, I made this much that, that day, or I saw my, you know, 403B go up by another grand. Here I go. You know, it's, it's hard to be too upset with work when I'm seeing those, those gains. Cause to me, that's interesting. And I know what, the end game is. Yeah, that sounds great. I think you touched on your sabbaticals. I think that those sound like a great option. They may have postponed your financial independence date by a bit, but I think that some people can find that it's really good for their mindset, for them to kind of reset their burnout so they can continue to work and be able to enjoy the profession going forward. So I think that sounds like wonderful advice. Yeah. Honestly, it's like shifting a year of your financial independence to now, right? You you planned enough ahead, you saved, and now you get to cash one of those years now. Like, sweet. I'll take it now versus in 10 years. So yeah, well done. But just to, I, I echo everything Shane says, but, uh, and, and totally agree. There's so much, again, power in just saying when you're hitting your alarm at 530 in the morning and you have that option to say, you know, if I don't want to do this tomorrow, I don't have to do this. And it makes it that much easier to roll out of bed. So, um, and, and when you're, it's right now is such a time of really 
burnout for most specialties, specifically acute care, like I'm involved in. And so just having that opportunity to say, you know, I need to take some extra time off and I have the finances to do that. And that, that that's so invaluable. So, so get your finances figured out early so you can get those choices in three years when you may be a little burnout from your first job, your first two jobs. Yeah, definitely. I think that you had a great point there, Jordan, that sometimes people will choose to take some time off throughout their working career because you have the finances to be able to do that. You're in a good spot in your life, you know, whether you have kids or not have kids or depending on the ages of your kids and also your health, right? We all know that we're not guaranteed to live a long life, much less one that is in great health. So if you're able to take some time off when you are young and healthy, be able to do those activities that you want to do, whether it's hiking or swimming or fishing or whatever, then you're able to do that. I've mentioned before on my podcast that both mine and my husband's fathers passed away at pretty young ages. One was in his 50s and one was in his 60s. And so we know that we're not guaranteed tomorrow, much less making it to traditional retirement age. So it is really important that you take advantage of those times in your life that you're able to do that. Absolutely. I feel like as much as the pandemic has sort of exacerbated burnout and whatnot, I feel like it should also be sort of a rallying cry for YOLO. You know, you only live once. You got to, I mean, look what it's done. It's upended so much of our lives. And, and I find that to be initially like really disheartening, but now kind of motivating, you know, just think back to what it, what it feels like still for a lot of people out there listening and what it felt like for nearly all of us right at the beginning. And sort of to me, it's like nothing is guaranteed here uh, at all. So why not take advantage, take some time off? You know, I'd rather not just work 30 years and then just hope that, you know, at age 60, I'm feeling great and things are good and can do what I want. I'd rather just do it now or do it as soon as possible. Completely. And then what are your guys' plans for the future now that you have written this awesome book so far? Um, well, right now we're just trying to get the word out there and build our brand. Um, we've had the opportunity to lecture at, uh, what are we at, like 12 universities now or something like that? I think we're almost at 15 this year so far, yeah. Wow, yeah, it's crazy. So that's been really enjoyable to, for us to get to go to these universities and really speak as professionals, both as about being a PA, but uh, more specifically on the career of that. So we plan to really continue to grow that and hopefully we'll be able to be a, a voice to new PAs around the country as we are able to interact and work with more and more universities. So that's definitely one big goal of ours. Uh, what else do you think, Shane? Yeah. So like you said, this, the focus on students is kind of one of the sort of base things that we do. Uh, the presentations are great, still doing, as we said, adjunct faculty work and, and precepting. So that's kind of what we're doing uh, all the time. We're working on our blog as well, sort of putting out little snippets um, on different topics. Um, we just did one about shift work versus sort of fixed schedule work and advantages and disadvantages. And we definitely made fun of each other quite a bit in that blog post. Um, <laughs> you're right. But we're just, we're just throwing stuff out there um, for people that I think 
either pre-PA or practicing PAs and anywhere in between can get something out of. Uh, we're, you know, gearing up to possibly do some coaching and, and mentoring as well. Um, we aren't quite sure what that will look like. Um, but as we sort of compile things between the book and blog posts and working with people like yourself, we're sort of formulating a game plan here to do that. And I don't know exactly who that will be with, um, but um, that's something that we're working on as well. See if we can sort of deliver that way as well. And our goal is just impact, impact as many people positively as possible. So, and New York Times bestseller. Yeah. <laughs> One, right. two. One, two. There's that too. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if our listeners would like to get their copy of the PA Blueprint, how can they do so? Head over to the PABlueprint.com. It's again, the PABlueprint.com. There you can see all kinds of stuff from purchasing our book to resources we've compiled and used daily. And then that's also where you can get in touch with us about doing presentations and, oh, and our blog, of course, where we talk about everything from getting into PA school to current stuff that affects us daily as PAs. Yep. And you can find us on Instagram as well. So we try to be fairly active there. We're actually up to 11 million followers already. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It, it's it's yeah. Kim Kardashian. It Bar- <laughs> yeah, right. It's Kim Kardashian, Barack Obama, and then us. We're actually number three. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Very, so very cool. Thanks for sharing that yeah. little tidbit about you guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> Fact. Uh, yeah, fact check that one. Um, but we are at the PA Blueprint. Uh, you can find us. And so we're pretty active there. And we like to put some information and some fun stuff there for people. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And thank you both for joining as guests on the podcast today. It was really fun and informative. And I really appreciate that you guys are able to take the time and join us today. Yeah. Kat, thanks for having us and thanks for doing what you do. Um, you have a great podcast and whatnot, and so you're putting out good stuff for people. So thanks for thanks for doing that for people. Yeah, seriously. It, it's a great resource. We both listen to it, and I'm, I know your listeners enjoy it, so keep it up. I really appreciate that. Thank you, guys. And to the listeners, if you are interested in checking out the PA Blueprint, download your copy today. And thank you so much for tuning in this week to the PA the FI Way podcast. If you found the information valuable, go ahead and subscribe to the show, leave a review sharing the things that you enjoyed about it, and if you have a PA colleague who may be interested in this resource, send them the link to listen to this episode. Finally, take the information that you learned today to enhance your career as a PA as you continue on the path to reach financial independence. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.